Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. But I've come to tell somebody today that the Word of God is still powerful. It's still sharp. It's still effective. It still saves. It still heals. It's not some old word that is outdated or antiquated, but it is still the one thing that we can turn to that will never change. Amen. I have come to tell somebody today, you need to buy into the truth of the Word of God. It doesn't matter what this world looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of pressures are placed upon you. You keep buying the truth and do not ever sell it. Ever. of all the chaos that's all around us. Grab your Bible, stand to your feet. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Israel is, uh, they are nearing the end of an era where they have been led by the judges and Samuel being that judge that is judging and leading the nation spiritually uh, in accordance to how God directs him here but Israel finds itself in a, in a place where they are looking for something a little bit different praise the Lord truth is under attack in our world today truth is under attack never before in my lifetime have I ever seen not just it being under attack the way that it that it is under attack but the avenue that is so prevalent it's there's so much out there and you don't know what to believe and who's telling the truth is anybody telling the truth you know uh, or does everybody have an agenda you know where where do we look you know we definitely don't want to look in certain areas you know you can almost guarantee that that you're being lied to there's an agenda behind it but, but sometimes you just don't know where to go to for for truth and truth to the child of God has to be placed at the highest point of value in your life. We must have truth. The Bible says then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. He wasn't happy about that. (laughs) In essence, they were basically telling him, it's time for you to shuffle off out the door. Exit stage left, Samuel. Thank you for everything that you've done, but the elders have gathered and we have decided that as we've looked around us, we see that there are other nations that do it a little bit differently and we're kind of getting accustomed to their ways and looking to do things a little bit different here than what we've done in the past. 
Samuel wasn't too pleased. So the Bible says that Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. They've not rejected you. They have rejected me. That I should not reign over them. Samuel, you've got a problem on your hand, but it's not really you that they're dissatisfied with. You're just my ambassador. You're just my spokesman. You are my voice. So don't take it too personal. It's not really you that they're kicking out of their homes. It's me. It goes on to say, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, which they have forsaken me, served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, however, you shall solemnly forewarn them. And show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. God looks at Samuel and he says, give them what they want. But when you tell them that they're going to get what they're asking for, you need to warn them that it's not what they think it is. One last portion of scripture, you don't have to turn there, Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. I just want to preach to you in the time that we have remaining today a message that I've entitled Truth's Value. You may be seated. God bless you today. Now at the the outset of this message I, I just want to say that I don't intend for this to be harsh. I don't want it to come across that way. There are times when the Lord just does not allow me a subject on which there are many words that I can mince with. I have to just dispose of any of the small talk and get into the business that God is wanting us to hear and wanting us to know. Today's message is somewhat one of those messages. It's not to step on any toes of the people that The Lord has allowed me and blessed me to pastor, but I do believe that we have been given a directive, and I do believe that that directive from God is under attack by spirits, dark spirits in high places. And so with that being said, there comes a time when there are moments when God chooses to just help us refocus to help us stay on track, to help us to stay in the fight, to help us to understand that things aren't always as they might seem because there are pressures that are being placed upon you and I as the church, as the body of Christ, that this world is trying to put upon us to try to make us conform, to try to make us become more like them, to try to make us feel like we don't 
really belong in the society in which we live. They try to make us feel outdated and antiquated. But I've come to tell somebody today that the word of God is still powerful. It's still sharp. It's still effective. It still saves. It still heals. It's not some old word that is outdated or antiquated, but it is still the one thing that we can turn to that will never change. By the truth. Sell it not. 53 years ago, I was born, and in 53 years, I've done a lot of buying and selling. Most of us do, unless we're very small. You'll probably leave here, and sometime this week, you'll head down to a grocery store. You'll stop by a gas station. You'll swing into a convenience store. You'll pick up a sandwich. Amen. You'll fill your car up with gas. You'll buy groceries for the family for the week. We are a society of consumers. We buy things. We purchase. I've done a lot of buying and selling over the years. For me, it's not really an enjoyable thing. I don't. I don't like making purchases, especially large purchases. They are things that just kind of drive me a little bit bonkers every once in a while. I don't like the haggling part of things. There are some of you that love to argue. You go to a, 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 a car dealership and you intend on, on if it takes three weeks to get that car for that price, I'm going to stay right here. Or maybe there's a, some more of you that, that uh, your whole plan is I'm going to get them down as low as I can and then I'm going to turn around and act like I'm going to leave and wait for them to say, no, wait just a second or let me talk to my manager one more time or you've got your ways of haggling I don't like any of that I'm uncomfortable with that I usually will go to a place when I find what I want I'll look the guy in the eye and said here's how I deal I tell him straight up front I'm not going to spend three hours four hours four weeks here dealing over this car this vehicle with you here's how we're going to do it you tell me your bottom dollar that you're willing to take and if I agree to that bottom dollar we'll make a deal we'll go in there in 30 minutes I'll be driving that car off of your lot but if we don't agree I hop in my vehicle I drive away now I do leave my phone number with them in case they decide to call me back later which has sometimes worked I don't get into all the haggling, the arguing. I don't like that. I'm not very good at that. I have a story about selling. Because as much as I'm uncomfortable with buying certain things, I'm even worse at selling things. There's people out there that they make a living off of it. They love to sell things. You you got your eBay people out there. You know, some of you are sitting out here and, and, and you're you're putting stuff out. You got an old pair of dirty socks that you have a hole in them and you you can sell them. If I can make 15 cents and you'll do it. You're good at it. I'm not. But I decided by looking at everything and all the different convenient ways of selling things that, that I would give my uh, give this a try. And so about a year and a half ago, 
Uh, we did some new work in the backyard, and we had this fountain, this water fountain uh, that cascaded, you know, it was about five foot tall, and I decided, you know what, we have no place to put that water fountain. We loved it. It still worked. It still looked nice, and but we had no place to put it. We, we uh, didn't know what we were going to do with it, and I thought, well, here's my opportunity. I'm going to try to sell something. But what I didn't like was, as much as I don't like haggling to buy something, I really, really detest haggling to sell something. Well, will you take this for it? Well, so what I decided to do, I was going to put a price on there and that I thought was reasonable, cheap enough. I was just not going to make it real expensive, no, not try to get the, the most that I could out of it. And I was going to put every bit of information about that fountain that I could think of that somebody might ask. I took pictures. I had I had more pictures than you'll ever need to see of the fountain uh, that I was trying to sell. I had uh, pictures with uh, tape measure showing how wide it was, how tall it was. I even put in the information how heavy it was. I said, if you come, if you buy this, it's made out of concrete. It's very heavy. Bring muscle with you. I gave every detail I could think of so that when somebody looked at that and read the description, they wouldn't call me up and say, well, how tall is it? But you know what happened? Who's guilty? Some of y'all are guilty of that. You know what happened? I kept getting phone calls and text messages. Well, how tall is it? And I'd say, look at picture number four. It tells you how tall it is. Was well, it heavy? Read the description. I said it's 200 pounds. If you don't think that's heavy, you're stronger than I am. It's heavy. I was getting irritated quick. Finally, somebody, they said, well, would you take, I, I'm really interested, I want to buy that, um, uh, sight unseen, you know, but would you take this for it? I said, absolutely. You better believe it. You know, I'm just ready to get it going. I'm tired of a answering these questions that people are asking me. I I'm uncomfortable with this. Come get the thing, it's yours. But here's the deal. They couldn't come until the day that we were leaving on a little three-day vacation. So... I said, all right, I'm going to trust you. You can come get it. Here's where it's at. Here's my address. Leave the money such and such. Come get it. But don't forget, it's heavy. You're going to have to bring some muscle with you. Got it. Got it. We are, I kid you not, on our way to Branson. I believe it was Branson. We were headed down there for a few days. On our way to Branson, and I get a text message, and I'm expecting to say, hey, we got it. Your money's there. Thanks so much. Enjoy the day. We loved it. It's beautiful. No, I get a text message. Wow, that thing really is heavy. We couldn't even get it in our car. I said, I told you it was heavy. Two ladies had come to try to move that thing. Like, man, you need to bring Brutus with you. You know, I mean, bring some muscle. Did I not tell you it was heavy? We're on vacation dealing with this whole disaster, this fiasco that I'm going to make just a few bucks off of. It wasn't like I was paying for the vacation with it. it. It was enough to buy us a tank of gas. That was about it. But I'm so frustrated with the thing. And, and she said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll have to come back for it. Guess what was uh, still in my yard when we got back from vacation? Yes, only it wasn't standing up nice and neat against the house. They had laid it down in the yard and it was over in the yard. My 200 pound concrete fountain was laying in my yard face down. 
No, I sold it in the nine o'clock service. <laughs> I'm taking. It's up for auction. She hasn't picked it up yet, so we'll talk later. Man, I could have sold this thing. I'm selling everything at church from now on. <laughs> Nothing else is going on on the internet. It's Sunday morning swap meet right here at Landmark. <laughs> wow. Who knew it was this easy? Just preach about it. We get home, that thing is laying over in the yard. I go over there and wrangle it up, put it back up against the yard. My wife's like, you're going to put that back up for sale? I'm like, no. No, I'm not putting it back up for sale. I'll preach about it someday. Somebody will buy it. <laughs> I go over and look at it. I'm like, where's the pump? What'd they do with the pump? I called the lady up. I said, did you happen to take the pump? Oh, she said, uh, that was the first thing that we put in the vehicle, and we forgot to take it back out when we couldn't get that heavy old concrete thing. I, I said, would you bring it back to me, please? Three weeks later, guess who went to whose house to pick up the pump? She never did get it back to me. I had to drive 30 minutes to get a pump that it didn't even sell with the fountain. Now it's costing me money. just can't make this stuff up so as of this morning guess what is still a year and a half later sitting next to my house a 200 pound fountain with a pump up for auction to the highest bidder I say all that to say this I'm a whole lot better at buying stuff than I am at selling stuff that's the way things typically typically go for me when I try to sell stuff. My youngest daughter, Morgan, she sells stuff all the time. She gets a kick out of it. It's a charge uh, for her. There's people in this church that you go in and, and you help people move out of their house or you take everything that they just want gotten rid of and you turn around and, and, and make money off of it. You're, you're good at that kind of stuff. But for me, it never works out like that. I'm terrible at selling stuff. That's why I love this scripture. I relate to it so well. I love that God put that scripture in there in Proverbs. Buy the truth and sell it not. God, you're speaking my language now. I'm good at buying stuff. I'll buy the truth all day long, but I'm going to stand on it. And once I buy it, it's not for sale. You may think that my text is a little strange today about Samuel with where I've taken us thus far, but I assure you it fits well. Samuel, man of God, judge of Israel, has led God's people for quite some time. As a matter of fact, even as a small boy, he dedicated back to the Lord and grew up. Eli, the the man of God trained him to serve, to hear God's voice, to serve the people, to serve God. He was brought up in that kind of an environment, and he had spent his entire life serving God's people and leading God's people and listening for the sound of God's voice so, so he could judge them properly and he could judge them faithfully. 
Samuel was God's voice of guidance, God's voice of truth to the Israelite people. But now you find the elders have gathered together and they called Samuel in to have a conference with them and they said, we've been looking around and we know that this is the way that it's been for a long, long time, but we kind of envy our neighbors. We're looking at the other nations around us and they're led by kings and all we have is a judge and they saw Samuel as something less than what God saw Samuel as. They began to look at the things of the neighboring nations. They began to desire after the things that they not they never should have desired for. When they should have been saying that their neighbors needed what they had. Instead, they were crying, we want what they have. It's a spirit that it easily can creep into a church. It can easily creep into a child of God's life. It even crept into David's life a little bit. Man, after God's own heart, when he's standing there and he said, my foot and I slipped when I saw how the evil prospered. When I saw bad men seemingly blessed. But David said, then I went into the house of the Lord. And that's where I got my understanding. It wasn't from going down the street and hearing somebody tickle my ears. It was going before the man of God and having the man of God point his finger at me and say, you need to straighten out David you need to repent David I had a man of God in my life that told me what I needed to do to live right Samuel was angry so he took it to God I don't believe that Samuel probably got the answer he was looking for believe he expected God to feel like he felt. He was angry because he was essentially being booted out of position. Thank you, Samuel. It's been a nice run. We're done here. You can go ahead and head out to pasture. We're going to change things a little bit. We want to do something a little bit different. And Samuel says... You're barking up the wrong tree. You're asking for the wrong things. You don't know what you're doing. God, instead of sending fire down from heaven, opening up a hole in the earth and swallowing up all those that were betraying him, he looks at Samuel and he says, give them what they want. Go ahead and tell them that I said, okay. If that's what you desire, God will never force his will upon a person. If you have God in your life, it's going to be because you want God in your life. If God uh, is pushed out of your life, it will be because you have 
pushed him out of your life. God will never force his way into the heart of a man, but he waits to be invited. And when he is rejected, he simply steps aside. His heart is broken yet, but he'll look at the person and he'll say, I'm not willing to be anywhere that I'm not wanted. I'll, gra- I'll st- uh, gladly step aside. You're going you're gonna to create a problem for yourself, but if that's what you want to do, that's the way I've designed it to be. You are a free will agent to do as you please. So he tries to make Samuel feel a little bit better by telling him it's not you that they're rejecting. It's me. Give them what they want. Now in the mind of many that were standing there on that day, they probably saw it as a blessing. But when God says, okay, it's not always because he's blessed the situation. Sometimes it's because he's been asked to leave. Be careful when you get your way. If your way takes you out of the word of God and the will of God. God may step aside and tell you if that's what you want, you go right ahead. I won't stop you, but I'm not going to affirm what you're doing. I'll simply step out of your way. You can do whatever you want to do. You don't have to live for God if you don't want to live for God. You can sin all that you want to sin, but if you want God in your life, he's going to be right there for you. But if you want him to step aside, he will remove himself. But don't ever take it as God's blessings in your life just because you've put him aside and you step over and you begin to do some things and all of a sudden you feel like you're being blessed because you've got your way. Samuel says, I give you a king if that's what you want. God doesn't desire this. And he's going to give it to you but with a warning. And you see where Saul enters the picture. You got to understand something. As I was reading this a few months ago, this, this thought came into my head. I'd never seen it, never thought about it before, but I, I had to feel uh, what Samuel must have felt like because things started off pretty good and Samuel looked like he got it all wrong, that maybe he had misheard what God had said. Because if you look at Saul's beginning, You'll see a man that was full of humility. You'll see a man that was humble before the Lord, head and shoulders above anybody else. He looked like the leader, he looked like a king. And yet he was humble enough that the common people would look at him and say, He doesn't think he's better than any of the rest of us. Look how humble he is. Look how full of humility he is. We, we, we're seeking after him to, to crown him king and we can't even find him because he's over hiding behind the carts. We had to bring him out. This is going to be awesome. He's exactly what we've been looking for, but God said no. Could God have gotten it wrong? Could Samuel have mistakenly 
thought that God had told him no and maybe God was actually okay with it. The very first thing that King Saul does, he gathers the troops together. He kind of does it, if you read about it, it's kind of a a wild way that he, he goes about getting everybody, chops up some animals and sends them all out and says uh, uh, pieces to all the different tribes of Israel and he says tell if your guys don't show up it's, this is what it's going to look like so everybody's like yes sir all of a sudden we got somebody that's leading the way we've got a man that that looks like a king acts like a king and people are falling in line and they go out into this battle and they have a victory don't you know that the elders came back all prim and proper with their chest out, their chins up, walking stately, thinking the people, they know now that we were right all along. This is not a bad thing. Now we've got a king like everybody else has. Look at the success that we're having. Look how right we were that we have a king that can lead God's people. Come on, Samuel. You've got to admit, this is pretty awesome stuff. How long has it been since we've had a victory? And in just a few days' time, Saul's gathered everybody together. They've gone out, and we've had our first victory already. Because how we've already jumped in status. Our enemies are beginning to fear us. People want to be our friends. We've got a little status in the community again. Surely you have to admit that what you heard from God, was that maybe a little embellished? Could that have been the pepperoni pizza speaking just a little bit? Or could it have been, Samuel, that maybe you just understood that your time was drawing to an end and you didn't like the fact that we were going to do things a little bit differently? Could it have been jealousy, Samuel? What they were, in essence, asking him to do was sell the truth that he had bought into. See, Samuel had bought the truth. He knew who had spoken the words to him. He wasn't confused just because things didn't look like they were going the way that they should have been going. He wasn't uh, confused just because that uh, they had done the wrong thing and it looked like it was turning out for their benefit and for their favor. Samuel understood and he knew, I have bought into this truth. And just because things don't look like they're lining up with what I have said and what I have told that God has told me to speak, just because things Things don't seem to be going my way doesn't mean that I'm going to give up and I'm going to quit and I'm going to walk out and I'm going to sell everything that I have bought into all my life. Sell. 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 He wasn't selling just because there was pressure. No, Samuel, he said, I've treated you and judged you fairly for my entire life, right? Have I ever cheated anybody? They No, no, you've been great. This has been awesome. Have you ever wondered why people change something that's working? 
something that's worked for years and years and years. They, they, just, they just get bored with being successful, with something that works. And they try to change it, and the next thing you know, they've got a mess on your hands. And Samuel understood something. He said, hey, listen, I've judged you fairly. I've given my entire life and sacrifice. I've never cheated anybody. Uh, do you agree to that? And they said, yes, we agree to that. And so he said, it's been nice knowing you. I'm out. I'm not going to be a part of this because I know what God has told me. I'm not here to sell what I bought into. I'm not here to put what I know to be right on the sales block for the highest bidder. But I have come, amen, I have come to tell somebody today, you need to buy into the truth of the word of God. It doesn't matter what this world looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of pressures are placed upon you. You keep buying the truth and do not ever sell it ever who would have believed that some years later that that man that they crowned first king of Israel who was so humble in the beginning and so stately seemed to be so wise what a great leader he was who started out humble would die full of arrogance. Who would have believed that the same man who led the way into that first battle and brought home a victory and the entire nation gathered around him. They were shouting his name and singing his songs and Samuel's over sitting in his home listening to the crowd, but he's sitting there shaking his head saying, no, 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 don't sell, don't sell, don't sell what God has done for us. Don't sell the truth. Don't sell the things that God has blessed us with all these many years. Keep hanging on to it. No, 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 you're selling when you should be buying. When an entire nation was caught up in the success of one man, one man understood that that success was going to be short-lived. And it was the man who chose to value truth. To listen to the voice of God and not be swayed or deterred but to stay true and faithful to the truth that he understood and valued. Let our music come today. I've got a gun from my grandfather, pulled it out last week. Me and some friends out did a little shooting it's fun it's a great stress reliever man put a 223 caliber in a rifle it's even more fun when you do what i did i shot about 12 dollars in about 10 seconds worth of bam, 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 bam. i just wanted to see how fast i could pull the trigger it was awesome but i have this one gun that was handed down. I, I didn't purchase the gun. My 
My grandfather, who's been passed away for about 36 years, purchased that gun. Before he passed away, he told me that was mine. So when he died, my grandmother handed me that gun and said, Your grandpa wanted you to have this. It's not the newest gun that I own. Matter of fact, they don't even make them anymore. But it's got a little value to it. Probably more valuable than any of the other guns that I have. For those that are out there that maybe are against guns, I'm sorry. I'm not. (laughs) I'm just not. I think you need to be safe with them. I'm a proud gun owner. That little pistol, little 22 caliber pistol, it's worth a little bit of money. Something that people that know guns, when they see it, when they feel it, when they shoot it, and I let other people shoot it, they like it. I've had people offer to buy it from me. Ooh, I like this. Where can I get me one of these? You can't buy one anymore. Oh, would you sell it? No. I've had people take good money and flash. Not even for this? No. I've even been offered more money than what the value of the gun is. there I will admit have been some times in our life where that money would have uh, come in rather handy maybe got us out of a jam see I have three children and children are not cheap and all the parents said amen baby needs new shoes baby needs school books baby's going on a field trip baby needs uh, food I mean it just goes on and on and on all the things that if, if, if there's a training course on that so I didn't get it there's been some times when that money could have maybe paid a car payment or an insurance bill or got some food that we needed or taking care of this or that I might have been able to take care of three or four bills but here's the thing the next week more bills come in more debt comes in here's the reason that I always refuse no matter what the price is being offered it's because of where it came from and who gave it to me that makes it so special See, I have a lot of fond memories of my grandfather. That gun meant something to him. Now, he did pay the price for it. But I've kind of picked up a love for that old gun and a sentiment for it. So I value it at even a greater value than others value it. 
It's not for sale. Sold the fountain. I'm not selling the gun. For something to be taken off the sales floor of your life, you have to have an attachment of love and honor. There has to be an attachment of respect that goes beyond the seemingly material value that the world might put on what it is that you have purchased. You see, the world may look at the way we live, what we believe as being able to be bought. There's a saying that goes around that everything has its price, right? Hey, would you sell that car? No, no, no. I, I no. I, this is I, this car I've had. This has been a pretty good car. What if I gave you ten thousand dollars over Blue Book for it? Uh, when do you want to pick it up? Even things that have a certain value that somebody fly, uh, you know waves enough money in our face, you know we we may tell them no, but then we start getting lured back by the price that they're willing to pay. I'll just say this, if the truth that you have been given from God, if the voice that God speaks words of life into your heart, if the truth that, that you have been given, if you're willing to lay it on the table, if you're willing to put it out there, somebody will come by and they'll buy it. You'll sell it. You'll sell it one day. You may not sell it for the cheapest price or to the first offer, but there's always somebody that will come along and try to pressure you into giving up what you have been given. And that's why God says, buy the truth. He doesn't say, he, he talks about giving you salvation, but he says you've got to buy truth. There's a cost that comes with buying into the truth. And I believe God wants us to buy it because we'll put a value, a higher value on something that we have to purchase. Do you stand with me today? Saul is on a battlefield. He's a long way from that first victory. Nobody's singing his songs right now. His son Jonathan is there at his side. And then he turns around and he's not there anymore. Because his son has died in the battle. When all of a sudden Saul is hit, mortally wounded, and he's afraid, he's scared to death that if he doesn't die before his enemies capture him, that they'll torture him to no end. And that's a life that he just can't live with. And so he's asked somebody, take my life. 
I wonder if it went through Saul's mind I should have never given up that weapon of truth here I am out on the battlefield somewhere along the way I sold truth I began to seek advice from people and places that were not godly I began to listen to voices and I laid truth out on the table and somewhere along the way that truth was bought for me and now here I am in battlefield and I'm looking for my weapon of truth and it comes back to mind it's no longer there I've got nothing to save me and he drops down dying on the hill at the hands of his enemies because he did not value truth the way that he should have valued truth. Some may leave here and say that's a little hard. Brother Rice, that's a little harsh today. I've come to tell somebody that's maybe thinking about selling out. If you sell out today, you may win a few battles along the way and it may not seem to catch up with you right off the bat and you may even have some victories and you may be celebrated and there may be some that sing your song, but there will come a day when you'll be standing up on the hill and you'll be, uh, uh, the enemy will be chasing you down and you'll reach for that truth that you once knew and it won't be there any longer and nothing will be able to save you. why we must value truth above everything we have to buy this truth and once we have it don't let any price be good enough for you to hand it away it's too valuable there's going to come a day when you're going to need this truth There's going to come a day when nothing else will save you, when nothing else will bring you the victory. It will only be truth that you can stand on. It will only be truth that can save you. Don't listen to the voices of the elders of this world that tell you give up, give in, walk away, change. You stay true to God's word. Buy it. And don't ever sell it. Feel a spirit of conviction in this place. It could be just me. But then again, God could be speaking to others in here. Truth's been on the table. It's got a tag on it. just waiting for the right buyer to come along and offer the right price if truth is for sale in your life it won't be long before somebody will purchase it from you I wonder if there's anybody here today that would find a place to seek God and His Spirit and His presence. We're living in an hour where truth is fading 
fading fast out of the hearts and lives of a nation. And if this nation ever needed there to be people that would stand and not bend on the truth, it's today. It's right now they're dependent upon you. But it's not just you on the battlefield. There may be your children that are standing next to you. There may be others that need you to stand for truth. There are people that are following you into the battles that you are going to face. Are you going to lead them into a victorious winning? Or are you going to lead them to a disastrous defeat would you value truth they begin to sing this song today I'm going to ask you take some time right now to pray take some time right now to talk with God to hear the voice of God in this place I know that not everybody needed this today not everybody feels that way not everybody's got truth out on the table. But if there's one out there that we can reach and say, I've come for you today. If there's one person listening to the sound of my voice and you're thinking about walking out on God, you hear the voice of this preacher. Hear the voice of this preacher. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.